We're in Parashat Be'alotcha. And like I told you, we're in the book of Bamidbar, the days of the desert. But I call that book the book of whinings. And why? Why is that? In Tfilat Arvit, every night, we thank Hashem taking us out of slavery to eternal freedom. Cherut Olam, eternal liberty. Right? And the story of our book, the book of Bamidbar, is dealing with those people that got out of slavery to a complete liberty and they totally not able to, to grab it, to hold it. Don't, don't know what to do with that liberty. It's just too much. Too too much space and nothing to fill it with. No, no. <clears throat> and again, like we learned in Pirkei Avot, this is why it's written, Derech Eretz Kadma Torah. The way of the land, Derech Eretz. Which means, way of the land comes before Torah, before learning, before wisdom. Fixing behaviors, fixing each one's attributes, learning how to control angers, uh, frustrations, sadnesses, uh, all kinds of emotions, manners, comes before Torah. Means that this is the vessel, right manners, good behaviors, good midot, fixed vessels, is the way to contain light of Torah. The Torah is the world of liberty. Wisdom is the world of liberty. And every new level that one gets to must be prepared with new fixing of oneself. And without that, there are only two options. Or blaming what we see in each and every parasha in that book, like I said, the book of whinings, or blamings, or dependency. Like, Moshe, please pray for us. Stop the, stop the trouble. Please pray for us. Why don't you pray? Why don't you stop the trouble? There is a righteous man. If you're praying, he will support you. He will pray on you as well. And we see in our parasha, in the second half of it, that Moshe gets to a place that is just totally broken. He literally asking from Hashem, please, I prefer, please kill me. I don't want to live that, that life anymore. He's asking to die. So hard, so frustrating, so heartbreaking for him to give everything that he has, all of his life, all of his efforts, all of his goodwill, all of his... everything that he has, and to meet such selfishness out of the people. Now, in Chag Shavuot, I heard a very beautiful speech by Rabbi Benji Levine 
which is the grandson of Rabbi Arya Levin. If you ever heard that name, and if not, search for it. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Arya Levin was for sure one of the Lamed Vav Tzadikim, one of the 36 Tzadikim that the world is standing on. Amazing. So, Rabbi Benji said that we see in last parashot, Naso, Naso et Rosh Bnei Israel, count the heads. Okay? And in our parasha, when Moshe gets to that moment of breaking and frustration, he's saying, so many, he's calling ragli, like 600,000 legs. Yes, he's mentioning by the legs. When it's count in, 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 in the merit, in, in, in the positive way, they counted, the people are counted by their heads. Because when there is a one direction to go to together, and each one has his own private color, his own private way, his own private, private path, but it's a path in the same way, going to the same way. But if each couple of legs wants to go to their own direction, to do whatever they like, to only see themselves and not to understand that there is a whole, that there is a nation, that there is a leader, that there is a people, to be something bigger to take, to take a part of and to, to be together, that's the most horrible thing that can happen to a nation. Now, we also know about the Chazonish. Chazonish was also one of the biggest righteous men in our, in our days. That he used to get hundreds of questions every day by people. What about this? What about that? How to do this? How to do that? And people that had time for Chavruta with him. So everyone that knew, the, that, knew that they're going to meet the Chazonish were sending notes and questions to the Chazonish. So they came for Chavruta, they have one hour to sit and learn together, and 45 minutes out of it goes, oh, just asking for the question that people were asking, and not for the learning. And one time they asked the Chazonish, isn't that interrupting your learning? Don't you feel that you're wasting your time? And Chazonish said exactly what I said in the introduction today. Spending your time for your brothers and sisters, for your nation, for people, gaining that uh, uh, patience, fixing yourself in that level, is the true vessel to contain the light of Torah. If you don't have time for no one, it doesn't matter that you're learning Torah. You're not the light of, of Torah is not going to shine on you at all. You're not going to have it. You must have the vessel first. And the, ve- the vessel is your patience. The, f- the vessel is your love to your brothers and sisters. The, ve- the vessel is your ability to put aside your own needs when someone needs you. Because someone might need something. To be in that state of mind that someone might need something and look for it, what someone might need. And one of the ways 
one of the best ways to get to the purpose, to get to that purpose, is just to get to a broken heart. That's one of the best ways to get to that purpose. To understand that I need help and that everyone needs help and so I will help as much as I can and I will learn how to ask for help. But not out of the need to blame someone when he's not helping me. And not by staying dependent on someone because I need help. Not about that. Building interdependence between, between us. And this is the story about Pesach Sheni. Imagine yourself, that group of slaves getting out to, to total freedom, to true liberty. And they have the holiday to celebrate their liberty. The first, and, and even more so, it's a mitzvah to keep forever. They know that this is a holiday that is going to be celebrated eternally. But they're about to celebrate it for the first time in history. <laughs> and again, it's the celebration of, of, of my freedom, of my chance to be who I am, to be what I'm meant to be. And there were people that weren't, weren't able to celebrate with the, with the, with the nation. That's a heartbreaking situation, right? They come with their broken heart and they're not blaming no one. And they're, they're not even, it's not about dependency. They just don't know what to do and they're, they're begging for a chance. Lama nigara. Why would we stay out? We want to take a part. How can you leave me outside? I know I was contaminated for whatever reason. I know that... Uh, but I still want to take a part. I still want... I still want... I, I don't want to, to, to be left outside, to be left behind. Please, what can I do? That's the right way to ask for help from Hashem. That's the right way to grow spiritually. This is how you build vessels to gain holiness, to receive the light of Torah. Not to look for more information, not to look for more honor. Or a, uh, It's not something that you get with the certificates, passing a test about information. It's a test of your heart. How deep can you go into your darkness and ask for help from there? Because it's there. And that's the way it's working. Baruch Hashem, this week, that we had that merit to celebrate a Brit Milah for our son. And Baruch Hashem, some of you even came. And I say thank you and appreciate that so much. I really thought about it. That it's Okay, it's a mitzvah, okay, it's so, we're so happy, we're having, it's such a high moment, such a huge holiness, but simply, in reality, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
And you cannot come just to celebrate injuring your son. He's so tiny, he's so gentle, he's so cute, and you're just going to, to hurt him. You're going to injure him. To bring him to... to uh, it's not something to ignore. The side of your nature, you wouldn't do it n- never, ever. So, if you ask me, a part of the commandment, a part of the mitzvah, is to go and to feel that you're not able to do it, and that you're not supposed to do it, and that it's crazy. And then to bring faith into the picture. And then to really understand how it is, like Abraham giving Yitzchak as a sacrifice. Bring your son as a sacrifice. Because we're sacrificing ourselves. That's my future. My son is my future. If something is going to happen to him, I have no future. That's how broken-hearted you need to get if you want to get holiness. And those people come to Moshe and they are, they're, saying, they're, they're saying, how can we le- be left outside? How can you... We also want to get to our purpose. We also want to, to celebrate our, our, our liberty. We need a second chance. And because they did it the right way, in opposite to all of everything that is happening in that book. How strong is the mistake all of the way, and how strong it is when you do it right. So Hashem is inventing a new holiday, especially for them, that we also celebrate eternally. Whoever needs, whoever was for any reason in jail, in, I don't know, in a, in a foreign country, in a foreign place, or... If he was, uh, I don't know, totally secular and didn't want to celebrate the holiday, but uh, then he makes tshuva and, and he has, a, he has a, an opportunity to, ce- to celebrate Pesach a month after full moon, <laughs> 14th in the month. They did it the right way, to ask for help. Feeling the pain... Because you really have a value for holiness. And you know that you have something to, to lose if you won't keep yourself. Like I said in, uh, last, last week in the class, if, uh, if we talk about modesty, understanding that you have something to lose, not because you're uh, only because someone said that you're sleeves are needs to be long not because someone said that it's uh, not allowed or uh, to really understand that there is something that is so holy that is so precious that is it's like 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 the gemara is, is saying if someone wants to come and to buy the cheap uh, perfume okay you can find it on on the shelf but if you're asking for uh, for the the serious uh, oils for the like the the very very expensive you need to wait first and then the seller when it's the right time he takes you to the back room where it is 
to understand that there, there are things that are so precious that not, uh, no one is allowed to... It's not, not supposed to be available. Unless when it's the right time, when someone waits enough, when someone, you know, only someone that is serious is, 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 is able to wait. <clears throat> so this is what you ask about Pesach Sheni. The situation was about Pesach. Like we said, first Pesach in history, yeah. knowing that it's going for, to be forever. But second of all, because this was the specific holiday that it was about, that situation that happened. And more than that, because it's dealing with oneself uh, opportunity to, to, to become who you really are. And that's the purpose. You know, losing the, the option to, to get to the purpose is bigger than everything. Um, so many times the clouds are mentioned. The cloud is going to be over the Mishkan. So the commentators say each, each rep- repetition is showing a different angle of, of faith that is needed in, the, in mesirut, that Mesirut Nefesh uh, in the desert. Like, if you got to an amazing place with a lot of water in the desert, right? A lot of water, a lot of uh, 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 plants growing for the herds, a lot of uh, plants even for you, herbs to eat, to drink, to whatever. It's a, it's a perfect place. Why to live? But the cloud went up and you need to leave. So you leave, you follow Hashem. If it's a bad place to stay, but the cloud went down... You need to stay. Okay? If, it, if the cloud just went down yesterday and it took you uh, uh, 24 hours to unpack your packages and to, to build your te- private tent, now you need to leave. Um, let's stay for a week at least. No, you need to leave. You leave. Okay? So, all kinds of options just to uh, follow word and decision and guiding of Hashem. You're asking, how could it be that uh, playing uh, uh, playing the trumpet on holidays or Shabbat? So the prohibition to use musical instruments is only a prohibition that we're giving to us by our rabbis. Okay? It's what's called a shvut. It's a, it's, yeah, shvut is like shev ve'alta says, sit and don't do. Okay? And like we said, it's a part of the fences sages put around the prohibitions of Torah. And why is that in, in the case of the musical instruments? If you would play, let's say, your guitar and you have a string uh, torn. Okay? So you want, so you would, you might get to change a string on the guitar, to put a new one, and that's a prohibition of Torah. Okay, so don't play guitar on Shabbat. That's the fence, okay? And it's written that there are no shvutim in the, in the Mikdash, in the, in the temple or in the Mishkan, in our case. Uh, they, ke- they kept only the prohibitions of Torah, not uh, the fences, 
because you even slaughter on Shabbat in the in the the, the sacrifice, korban atamid. To slaughter like a, a, a sacrifices that you eat is uh, also it's allowed on a Yom Tov on Chag, but not on Shabbat. But even on Shabbat, the, you would you would slaughter the korban atamid at least, even maybe other korbanot. I, I'm not sure. Of course, you wouldn't slaughter a, a korban that is not a must on Shabbat, but the one that is a must, you would. That's the answer to that. Um, and now you're asking again, why are they whining if they know that Hashem is walking with them, among them, and He gave you the man that has all of the tastes? Why? Why is that? So like, again, like I said in the beginning, first of all, one self-fixing is a must before each level you get to. You need, there is a new fixing, there is a new level to get to, there is a new level to get with your behaviors first. There is a new level to get with your behaviors first. No holiness without good manners, good behaviors, no. Av Benji Levine was, he grew up in, uh, in, uh, in, the, in the States. And he said that he, as a child, he knew his, his grandfather is a righteous man. And uh, he would come maybe for a month or two in the summer to, to spend some time with the, his grandfather. So he thought to himself, as a, as a child, like 8 years old, 10 years old, he thought to himself, Oh, so I will watch my father, that is a, my, my grandfather that is a righteous man. And I will learn his uh, like uh, special uh, behaviors as a righteous man, and I will go home and I will uh, imitate. Imitate, you say? Like I will do the same like him. And um, if my rabbi in the in the school will ask me, I will tell him that the uh, how uh, a righteous man behaves. So I, I'm, and he saw nothing special. <laughs> Is not uh, praying so long, to, too long, then uh, no one benching. No, nothing so long, not, nothing so special, nothing. Uh, but what did he see? That all day people are knocking on his door. And he's smiling to everyone. He's hugging everyone. He's helping everyone. That's a righteous man. Now, every righteous man has his own private way to get to be a righteous man. Because like everyone has a own, his own private way to be who he is. Who is a righteous man? A righteous man is someone that is, complete, that is completely following what is, he is meant to be. And is getting to his own purpose. If he is fire, and he's a, maybe he should be a moel to, make a, to circumcise babies. Maybe it's, that's his nature. But if he is so uh, he has a good heart, and uh, his heart goes out to p- suffering people. He should be someone, you know, auv lemata, auv lemala. Ken, someone that people love. It's it, it's only a sign that he's loved from heaven, and especially because all of our life is a mirror. It's only a mirror to what to what we should learn and to what we to understand what we are and who we are. If you, if you have a, a, a headache 
that is not leaving you. Maybe Hashem is an addict from not no understanding how to deal with you. Yeah. You know? If you find someone too annoying, is probably like you in something that you're not able to admit yet. That's the truth. And the main thing is not to hate ourselves for that. <laughs> the main work is to build that <laughs> that tolerance and patience to ourselves. You know, uh, I didn't have, I, I wanted to talk about it last week. And Baruch Hashem, the, the time we finished the class, so we didn't, I didn't have enough time. About Shavuot, about the holiday, why don't we sleep in that night? Yeah, why do we need that tikkun and we make that tikkun and we don't sleep? Exactly, exactly. So the verse is saying that Moshe had to wake the people up. He told them, we have three days to prepare yourself and then Hashem is going to reveal himself to you. And they were sleeping. They didn't wake up in the morning in the big day. No, and it's crazy. Uh, like how it's like it's 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 uh, it's mentioned in a, it's hinted in the verses, but the midrashim say it out loud. This is how it it happened. Okay, so to fix that, uh, what we call fadicha, that uh, embarrassment, we there is a tradition not to sleep in that night and to make a special tikkun fixing. Okay, and Baruch Hashem, a few years ago, I, I had a class to talk about, and I wanted, I, and I had a question, I had a question, because it's not mentioned spe- specifically, simply in the verses, okay? And what do our, our sages want, what's the message our sages want to give us by telling us that Midrash? What's the idea? Okay, uh, that embarrassment happened. It was uh, very embarrassing. Okay, we were ashamed. Okay. So I was walking with that question, and I was walking with it a few days, and I didn't find any answer. But it really bothered me. I wanted to talk about it. And then I went to one shul in Jerusalem, where I lived back then, and uh, I was just crossing over a door of a, a, a side room where there was, was a small uh, Torah class. A rabbi was talking to a few people and I was just crossing that room and I heard one sentence that he was telling the people. And he said, it was amazing, I was just walking and I hear him say, It's not their uh, shame, it's their praise. That's the sentence that I heard. Now, it just, in one moment, it all got together for me. Because, like I told you, imagine to yourself, okay? Now let's, let's uh, uh, invent a new Midrash. Imagine to yourself that you, were, you had a dream to find a specific job, okay? And Baruch Hashem is just making miracles, and that exact company that you wanted to work at is offering you the exact job that you were looking for 
with an amazing salary, and it's perfect, okay? And they're calling you for an interview for that job, and you're going to the interview, and you're accept accepted to the job. The boss is telling you, tomorrow morning, I'm waiting for you. And you're so excited and so happy, and you just can't... Can't understand how to thank Hashem. You're so happy. It's, it's just a dream that came true. The boss says, 9 a.m. I'm waiting for you. Come tomorrow. And you wake up the morning after. It's 8.45. Okay? You don't have time to, to wash your face. You make and you run out. And you know, like uh, so clumsy, and uh, <laughs> and you get there, and it's nine forty-five. How could you be late in the first day in the perfect job with the, a day after the interview? The moment that you walk in the the building, the boss is looking at you and is calling you to the to his office, and you know that you just ruined it all. You just ruined it all. You messed it all up. But it was your dream. You wanted it so much. What happened? <laughs> and you know that he's calling you to his room to tell you, I'm sorry, you're not serious. You don't, I, we don't need someone like you here. Right? So you sit in front of your new boss and the boss is telling you, look, I know that things like that might happen to people, but I really believe in you. I still want you in my company. I really want you, only you, in that job. I know that you're the best for that job. How would you feel in that moment? How would you feel in that moment? How thankful, thankful are you going to be? How grateful are you going to be for that boss? You will never, never betray his trust and faith, ever, right? This is what happened in Mount Sinai. Exactly. We didn't wake up on time. But anyway, Hashem decided to give us the Torah, to give us the commandments, to reveal Himself to us. It is a shame, but it's not about the shame. It's about the praise. Because now we can know for sure that we really, really received the Torah. That we're truly loyal to that boss. And whenever... You find yourself far away. You find yourself wrong. You find yourself messing it all up. You can always know and remember that the boss loves you. And the boss is only waiting for you in his office to tell you that he believes in you. And this is why our rabbis say that even that all of the world was created by the Torah. The Torah is like the uh, manual book of how to create a, a world, okay? And how to behave, and everything in that world. But there is only one thing that was created before of Torah even. Hundreds of generations before of Torah. And that's the tshuva. The tool of tshuva. Making tshuva. Truly regret. Truly accept on yourself. To want and to wish and to try to change. Not even to succeed. But to really, really regret and to really, really try and 
do everything that you, you're able to change and to fix. That's another beautiful story about Rabbi Ari Levin as an educator. He was uh, the principal of uh, Talmud Torah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I didn't even think how connected the stories, the story that I just invented for you now, and that story is. <laughs> Maybe I, I should have only said that story about Rabbi Ari Levin. One day, it was days back, like in the beginning of the 20th century, days of hunger here in the land of Israel. Really hunger, simply hunger. And one day, one rich man, or I don't know who, donated a special chocolate cream or something for the children in the Talmud Torah that Rabbi Ari Levin was the principal of. Okay, so one of the children took one chocolate uh, cream and he ran away, ate it very, very fast and he ran back to take another one. And at that moment, the rabbi that was uh, like uh, uh, giving all of the chocolates gave him, uh, slapped him, told him, you chatsuf, rude, you already took one, there are children that didn't get yet. That's, not, that's a bad behavior. And he was so ashamed. In front of all of his friends, he was uh, slapped and he was in such a rage and anger came out of him and he, he just uh, throw away, threw away all of the, the, the table with all of the chocolates and it all spilled on the floor and was a huge mess there. And the Rebbe was shouting at him, We're, you're not going to stay even one uh, more day in here, go home immediately and tomorrow, only after you talk to the principal, we see what happens with you. And all of his friends are uh, laughing at him and, and, and he felt so humiliated and didn't understand what happened to him. And he's telling that story, that man, uh, that he didn't sleep all night because he knew that Tomorrow he needs to meet that principal and what can I say? What would I tell him? The morning came, he comes to school and all the children are laughing at him and humiliating him. At the moment that the principal arrived, he's calling him to his office. And it was a dark office, very, very simple. He was just such a special righteous man, such a special, special person. And he was asking, and so the principal is Rabbi Ari Levin, is asking the child, is that true what I heard about that happened yesterday? He says, yes. What, that you really threw all the table? You were so angry and you, yes. And are you going to do it again? So he started crying, no, please, I didn't sleep all night, I'm so sorry, I will never do that again, I'm, I'm, please forgive me. So in that moment, the Rebbe went, uh, uh, opened his closet, and he took out two chocolate bars, wow. like those of the <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> and he's telling him, you know, I also love chocolate, let's eat together. <laughs> now they were sitting eating the chocolate together 
And he said, at that moment, I decided I'm also going to be an educator when I grow up. Because I, he got such a lesson. He said, I have the, the ability now to save lives. Right? And, and his, uh, Rav Benji Levine, the grandson of Rabbi Arye, when he said, told that story, he said that what's so special about this story is that, that he also loves chocolate. And that he was eating with him. And he said that most of the religious people that say, tell that story, they ruin it up because they say that he just gave him a chocolate to this, because they want to make the righteous man. No, no desires, he doesn't like chocolate, of course. Well, he eats only bread and water, you know. And that's the worst mistake you can do with, with righteous, righteous people, righteous stories. Because the whole idea is to show how human they are and how perfect they are as humans. How perfect you can get as human, not as an angel. We're not angels. We're not meant to be angels. And this is also a, 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 a huge, huge lesson to understand when our sages say that Yetzer Ara, the evil inclination, Barati Yetzer Ara, Barati Torah the evil inclination is the main course. And the Torah is only the spice. <laughs> How can you say that? We need to avoid it. It's like, it's, 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 it's wrong. No, it's not about that. Of course it's wrong. But when you do things right, if you don't, if you're not looking for to be too extreme, like the Nazarite we talked about last week, you know, Muslims, the religion doesn't, don't allow to drink alcohol at all. Okay? I, I, I have a personal uh, uh, story. Just remember it today. My grandmother, she grew up in, in, in Iran. And her father had a grocery store where he was selling also uh, wines. And he had a special back room for Muslims that wanted to hide and to drink at his place. Because they don't have wherever to, where to drink. Never mind. But religion don't allow it at all. Okay? But Judaism is not that way. It's allowed, but there are limits. How do you do it? What do you do? How you take it and put it inside vessels of holiness. Like we were talking about today. Build the vessels and use what Hashem wants from you. And that's the side of the sin of the Nazarite, that he needs to bring a sacrifice for his sin, accepting on himself that Nazarite, when it's over. That's the side of the sin, because Hashem wants you to enjoy his world. He wants you to have a good time. The strongest tool to build strong vessels for holiness is working on your gratitude. Because if you're not ready for the light that you're about to receive, you're going to have it, and you're going to suffer. And if you're not going to suffer, you're not going to be able to appreciate it and, or to enjoy it. It's every moment process, and it's a long-term process. It's all kinds of processes. Not 
in specific, but if you build your gratitude, you always have what to do with the light you receive. You can thank for it, right? You know, people want to be rich, okay? For an example, and it's a good, uh, if you ask me, yeah, there are people that are not going to agree with me, but it's written out loud and clear in Likutemu Aran that Rabbeinu is saying that if uh, the people of Israel are rich and wealthy, that's the honor of Hashem. You know, and uh, when when people of Israel are so miserable and poor and uh, so it's it's not the honor of Hashem. Or or Chas Shalom that we're lying, Chas Shalom. One of the two options, or that we're lying, or, it, or that it's or that Hashem is like. Not so, uh, not able to help his people. Chas v'shalom. Right? So to be rich is a good, good uh, intent, and so I believe in that. First of all, to want to be rich for the honor of Hashem. And also to want to be rich in, in to, to be able to give charity and to, to be able to help others. Of course. But anyway... It's a known statistics that I heard once that people that uh, win the lottery, most of them lose the money or very bad things happen to them with that money because they have no vessels to have it, to contain it. You just want it, but you're not ready, you know? You're not ready. So next time you want something and you have any complaints that you didn't get it yet, it's also a good tool of building vessels. As for Hashem, what do I need to fix to have it? Why would I, like, why would I left behind? Why would I be left outside? Find the good reasons for what, why you want it. Find good and the holy reasons for why you want that thing. People get what they want and they only suffer. They're never satisfied because they never work on their gratitude. They're never ready to receive it, to get it. The truth only reveals itself to you. Like I said, one of the best tools that Hashem has to bring us to our purpose is to break our heart. Or if, or if we break ourselves for that. And again, not to break yourself being ne- negative or hate yourself or uh, punish yourself for mistakes or nothing like that. Just break yourself in the meaning of explaining to yourself how stupid and dumb you can be wanting that thing for no reason at all. You understand that you just want it because you're stupid. No, I want to be rich because I want to help the poor, because I really want to have this or that. I have holy reasons for for what I wish for. First of all, have reasons, but and second of all, have the good reasons. <laughs> you know, Hannah, she had such a strong will to have a son, only for the honor of Hashem, not for herself. Of course, it's, it's also the self, it, it is. It's a part of the nature, you need to stay natural. But you need to build good reasons and good understandings and good reasons for what you, your nature is asking from you to want and to achieve and to, to be. 
She wanted that son so strongly, she even got to, to, uh, uh, to threaten on Hashem. Like we, uh, the, the, what we learned, the last parasha, parashat sota, a, a woman that uh, was hiding with a man that is not her husband. So she's now suspected that she did something wrong, right? She said, she said I would hide with a, a, another man. So my husband suspects me. And then, after she's suspected, she has only two options. If she was really wrong, she did something forbidden, she would die, uh, whatever. The process is very, very un- not pleasant. The descriptions are awful in the Torah. But if she's righteous and she didn't do anything wrong, she would get a, a pregnant. She would get a son. Because her husband suspected her for no reason. Okay? So she threatened the shame. I would hide with another man that my husband would suspect me for no reason. And then you will, you will have to give me a son because you promised in the Torah. This is how strong she got with her, with her will. And only because she, it was for the right reason, she got it. And not that I'm promising no one that he will get anything if Hashem is not choosing to give it to you. I know people in all kinds of ages, all kinds of situations, looking for their shidduch, looking for mates, looking for... for pray for children for years and they don't have I don't promise nothing I, not that if you will find the holy reason, the good reasons you have it it's not, uh, Judaism is not working in that direction as well because the creator is not working for no one we're not his boss to claim and uh, to be that he will fulfill our, our needs and, and wishings that's idol worshipping, because you're making yourself an idol, and Hashem should work for, for you. That's the main chidush, the main uh, basic, basic root and ground of understanding of Judaism. We serve the Creator. The Creator is not working for me. But still, if we fix ourselves, if we really, really build our humility and our humbleness and our shame, and our shame when it's needed, and we really also let ourselves connect to the darkness and the pains and really ask for help with all of our hearts and use and build our gratitude, build our gratitude. Bezrat Hashem, we, we believe that everything is going to be understood to us, that it was all for the good. Bezrat Hashem. Mm-hmm.